Welcome to Pleasant Grove Church, where Reverend Dr. Classy M. Preston is the pastor. A place where the Word of God impacts and transforms your life. Let's listen to a power-packed message already in progress. Let's give God praise and honor and glory. Hallelujah. And we call this group Deacon Gino and the back. What's the backup singers? I mean, really? You t- yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe if I get my rhythm right, I can join the team. Yeah. <laughs> Let us pray. Most holy and everlasting God, we love you and we praise your name and we thank you for worship. We thank you, dear God, for sparing us another week. We thank you, Father, for keeping us another day. And we thank you, dear God, for the privilege of being in this house and being in your divine presence. We give you all praise and all honor and all glory because we know, dear God, that you are dependable, you're faithful, and it's your grace and mercy that has kept us. So we bless your holy name as we go forward and we claim victory in preaching and teaching and we ask oh god that minds will be changed and hearts will be transformed in the mighty and precious name of jesus i pray amen this is an amazing season of reflection it's amazing because people are dying around the world It's amazing because children are losing their parents. It's amazing because loved ones cannot be with their family and friends as they transition to the presence of the Lord. It's amazing because some people are committing suicide, feeling that they have no options. It's amazing because some people who had dreams and businesses have lost everything and they've given up on life. It's amazing because the scientists are telling us that we need to continually wash our hands and to keep our hands clean and not touch our faces. It's amazing that there are people among us and around us and throughout the world with no clean water to wash anything. It's amazing because we're all struggling to survive mentally and to cope with the daily stress of COVID-19. It's amazing time because some marriages are failing. Some people realize that it's one thing to have a spouse who's gone all the time, and it's another thing when you end up in the house together. It's amazing that caregivers are exhausted and there is no place to go. That's why it's important that we worship God and remind people that God is all right, that God is dependable, and that God can be trusted with everything. Therefore, we should shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth, and worship the Lord with gladness and come before his presence with joyful songs. We should know that the God we serve is a God of eternity, and for the Lord is good, and his mercies and love endures forever. Can I get a witness? One of the stories that really caught my attention this week was the story of Joyce Lynn, a 40-year-old pilot 
on Tuesday. She was at Kodiak flight from the airport of Santana, and this is in Asia, and she had served as a missionary pilot. And on Tuesday, she was on her way to deliver goods, test kits, to a local clinic. And the report says that immediately after she took off, that that was an emergency. The plane crashed in the Satani Lake. And according to the Mission Aviation Fellowship, they're saying that they're working with the authorities, but nobody has any idea of what went wrong. This woman is from Indonesia, and for two years, she was working as this pilot. She was a computer specialist, a graduate of Massachusetts Institute of Technology, where she received her bachelor's and master's degrees. And the word says in the end of the article that she is or was the light that reflects Jesus, and she will be sorely missed. Each day, servants of God are sacrificing their lives for the cause of Christ. So the question I raise is, what have you done for God lately? What have you done to take you out of your comfort zone? How many times have you picked up the phone to call someone just to say hello? How about sending a text or how about an email to say, I am thinking of you. And as we find ourselves in this storm, <clears throat> we need to understand that Jesus is depending on us to be the light of the world so that others will know who he is. And as we enter our text, we realize that we get to Jerusalem, that it's time for the people to come back to the city. The word says that the people commended all who volunteered to live in Jerusalem. And that's why I call my sermon, The Heart of a Volunteer. The Bible has a lot to say about the heart of man. Jeremiah said in chapter 17 that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his deeds. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the spring of life. Luke 6.45, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil, for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. So in other words, my behavior reflects my heart. In other words, you don't have to ask about how I stand, but just look at my behavior and you will know the condition of my heart. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his statue, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And Ezekiel said, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit, and I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Many of us say that we are disciples of Jesus Christ, and yet we have not had a heart transplant. We say that we are the people of God, and yet our hearts are still stony. 
We say that we live to serve Almighty God, but there's very little evidence in our lives of sacrifice in the name of Jesus. And Jeremiah also said that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And when the Lord smelled the pleasing, this is in Genesis chapter 8, pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth, and neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. In other words, unless God transforms your heart, you are pretty useless. Unless God transforms your thinking, then you will not contribute to the kingdom of God. Hebrews chapter 4 says, For the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joint and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And Miss Alice Green's favorite scripture, she's over at Duke planning to go to Hillcrest tomorrow. She said, trust in the Lord. She said, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. And in all, in all, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Can't you say hallelujah? Trust the Lord in all your ways. Sometimes we want to pick and choose, but we got to trust the Lord with our homes, our professions, our family, our children, everything we have we have to trust the lord and then david said wait for the lord and be strong and let your heart take courage he said i said wait for the lord anybody in here waiting for the lord i know i am anybody in here waiting for god to move on your behalf and so what we must remember is that god's promises are eternal and that god's word can be trusted can i get a witness because God knows what we need even when we don't know ourselves. Have you ever been so distraught you didn't know what to pray for? Then what you do is you say, God, bless me according to your divine plan. Bless me, Lord, according to what you want for me. The heart, according to the Bible, is part of man's spiritual makeup. It is the place where emotions and desires begin. It is that which drives the will of man toward action. The physical heart is an organ that pumps blood. However, the heart of man as described in the Bible is primarily a spiritual organ that drives man's behavior. And we know that the heart is the starting place for spiritual life because of what the Bible says about God. In order to get God's people to desire what he desires, God must remove the heart of stone and replace it with the heart of the flesh. There's power in saying, God, cleanse my heart cleanse my mind, cleanse my soul, so that I can be more like you and you will be pleased with me. Spiritual life begins in the heart and it begins with God. Well, there is no relationship with God, there is no spiritual life because God is the author of our faith and the director of our spiritual life. God also has a heart and he has emotions and desires which drive his behavior toward his creatures. For example, God desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. There are a vast number of things about God we do not understand, but it's quite clear that God is a savior at heart and he wants his people to be saved. 
and to delight in knowing the truth and in knowing him. When our hearts are afraid of condemnation, we can be comforted by the fact that God is greater than our heart. And when things do not make sense to our hearts, trust in the Lord. Have you ever had a broken heart? Have you ever had a time in your life when you felt, I just can't do this anymore? Have you ever had a time when you think, God, do you love me? Because why am I in the situation that I'm in? And the word says that we got to trust the Lord with all your heart at all times, regardless of your circumstances. The Hebrew word for volunteering has some connotations of generosity, willingness, and nobility. The word for generosity is similar to the word for prince or noble, and all these words come from the same three letters in the root in the Greek. What I have discovered when people ask me, how is it to be the pastor of the church and be dependent on volunteers to keep the church going? My answer is, is that if you don't know God, do not step into this role. Because every week you don't know who quit. You don't know who moved on. You don't know who broke up with you. You don't know who decides to stay out late and sleep in. You don't know what the people are thinking. So you have to trust God because only God can prepare the hearts of the people to do the right thing. And what we sometimes do is that we want a lot of attention for being a volunteer when actually to tell the truth, all of us volunteered to be disciples of Jesus Christ. And so what we have to understand is that God is depending on you to do what you said you were going to do and do it in excellence because you're doing it in the name of Jesus. In Nehemiah chapter 11, there is a list of names that are unknown to us due to their distance of time. And yet in their day, personal comfort zones to help finish a task has started with breaking a broken wall. One of the things I really like about the book of Nehemiah is that as a leader, Nehemiah shows us how to lead. He also reminds us, Sister Benita, that you can't lead people where you haven't been yourself. You can't lead me to worship God if you have not worshiped God yourself. You can't lead me in prayer unless you have spent some time with the Lord to know what the Lord is saying. You can't lead the church if you don't know what the vision of the church is and what God has given to the church. And so what Nehemiah helps us to see is that through prayer and supplication, we get information from God and we make decisions, Kelly, based on what the Lord says, not on what we see, not on what we think, not on the deacons or the trustees or the council of the church, but what we do is we learn that God gives the vision and makes it plain. And it's our job to stay connected to God so that we'll know what is God saying. What is the Lord saying to Pleasant Grove Church? What is the Lord saying to churches that are closing now because they didn't have the right agenda? What is God saying when people are dropping dead and they don't know or understand why and what to do? What is God saying when enough is enough? What is God saying when the whole world has to be placed on pause so that we understand that God is still God? And whatever it is that keeps us out of the presence of God, that God can move the distractions away 
so that we will have time to be with God. If we want to understand what Nehemiah is saying in chapter 11, we need to go back to chapter 7, if you will. Go back and look at verses 1 and 2. In chapter 7, after the wall had been rebuilt and had set the doors in place, the gatekeepers and the singers and the Levites were appointed. And it says here that I put a charge in Jerusalem, my brother Hanani, and Hananiah, commander of the citadel. And because he was a man of integrity and feared God more than most men. Now here is the picture. The wall has been finished. Israel had already built the temple. So both the wall and the temple were complete. But there was one thing missing. And the missing thing was that the people were no longer in the city. And if you go down to Nehemiah 7, uh, chapter 7, verse 4, it tells us the city was a large and spacious and there were few people in it and the houses had not yet been built. Why were there no people in the city? Well, you might recall the people left the city and they went to the countryside because there was fear of living in the city. And there was fear of crime and death, so they left the city. Before anyone can build a house in the city, they would have to deal with all the rubble. And what Nehemiah said to me is that every life will end up with rubble. And every life situation will put you at one time or another in rubble. Ever been there? Everything's broken. Everything's crushed. And you can't rebuild until you remove away the debris and what else has gone wrong. And see, many of us right now are living in the rubble of the past, and God wants us to move to the joy of the present and the future. And many of us can't see the glory of God because we're so busy being angry about what happened yesterday. Many of us can't even celebrate God because the rubble of the people who didn't like you has taken control of your life. Many of us cannot see God because the rubble has blinded us to our own selfishness. And then when God sends people to help us move away the rubble, we decide that we're good just as we are. We decide that I'd rather stay here in the rubble and die than lift myself up and live in the name of Jesus. Some of us say that I'd rather stay in the rubble and, bring, and, and blame my mama and my daddy than get up and do something for myself. I would rather blame my wife or my husband for all of my misery, but I'm too lazy to get up and do something for myself. And so what we got to understand here, if you're living in rubble, don't come over here trying to tell me how to have a great life. But we got to realize that we all have rubble and we got to wait through it. Let the church say, amen. I have rubble. If you got a family, you got some. You have relationships that are just worsened. There are people who take you to your knees in prayer. I call them rubble people. These are people who always remind you that you got to stay close to God to stay close to them. So it makes you pray all day and pray all night long. I don't know how people can live without prayer. I don't know how people think they're so busy they don't have time to pray for an hour. I don't understand how you're going to dig out of the rubble all by yourself when you don't know God's word. You don't know how to call on the name of the Lord. 
So how are we supposed to move to a new community when we are not out of the rubble in our own lives? The people really didn't want to leave their homes and move into Jerusalem, but it had to be done. So those who were drafted responded to the call of duty. Another thing Nehemiah teaches us is that some were drafted, but some volunteered. And the reason I bring that point out is that we have all been drafted once we come into the house of the Lord, but we keep treating ourselves as volunteers as if we had a choice. The word volunteer is a very interesting word. In Hebrew, it means to incite, to impel from within. And so what Nehemiah is saying, Deacon Gino, is that once your heart has been cleansed from within, you will be compelled to do the right thing. And if you're still struggling between right and wrong, then you need to ask God to remove the rubble. You need to schedule the garbage pickup. You need to schedule the time that the Lord can come by your house and pick up your garbage and take it to the dump where it ought to be. And so there were two groups of people, those who were drafted and those who volunteered. And when I read this over and over and over again, I realized that Jesus was drafted by God to leave glory to come to earth so that I might live. Let me say that again, is that Jesus was in a luxurious home. Jesus was in his own palace in a place that was uh, paved with gold. But the Lord said, I have Connie and Kelly and Classy and I have uh, a Rayford and I have Brett and I have Benita, Deacon Gino, I have Minister Derek, I have James, the new grandfather, I have Alex. And I want to save my people. Therefore, I'm going to send my only begotten son so that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Have you been drafted and you don't know it? I haven't been in the military, but I know that once you have been drafted, you don't have a choice. Is that you put on the uniform whether you like it or not. And you sleep on the bunk bed they give you whether you like it or not. And you salute your captains and those who are above you in authority, whether you like it or not. So what I'm trying to get you to see that our own humanity causes us to miss God. And in the eyes of young men, someone in the, in the fight for war, to end our war, someone had to make the world safe for democracy. So there are men and women who have volunteered their lives so that we might have life. In Matthew, Jesus said, I have come into the world to teach and preach the gospel. And Jesus said, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. Have you washed any feet lately? I, I walked into the church this morning and I realized there's a table with fresh bakery goods for the 10 people who are in the sanctuary right now. I'm wondering if that person feels drafted or as a volunteer because when you're drafted you look for ways to please God when you're drafted you look for ways to give God all the praise and all the honor and all the glory but Jesus said if you want to be great then you need to learn how to serve Jesus said that if you want to be seen then you need to serve in my name and just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life. 
a ransom for all. During these times, I have had time to talk to Deacon Jay. And I realized when I was home for a couple of weeks that I had not really lived in my house for a long time. I walked through the house and I noticed pictures on the wall and I could not remember where we bought them and what they meant. I realized that I come in, I do my work, I leave again. And I said, Lord, are you saying I have no life at all? God said, exactly. And I realized how we can get caught up in our lives and not realize that we have no life and that we really need to take inventory of what's going on around us and among us. The other day, we decided to get the windows clean because we couldn't see out of the windows, the pollen, the dust, and all of that, right? So Deacon Jay goes over and he pulls up all the blinds and I'm standing in the kitchen looking out at the patio. And I realized that in 10 years, I've been on the patio once. I realized that the flowers had bloomed for the spring, but I had not seen that at all. And I realized that every now and then, you got to remove the pollen and the rubble from our lives so that we can see who God really is. Every now and then, you need to clean the windows of your heart with the word of God and say, Lord, cleanse me according to your divine spirit. Cleanse me so that I'm pleasing unto you. And I finally said to Deacon Jay, I said, is there anything you need to tell me? I said, I don't know how long I'm going to live, and I don't know if COVID-19 me and you, but let's have a conversation. And in that conversation, which was very rewarding, I said to him how much I love him, and I thanked him for all the good things he has done for me and blessed me and sang to me that I want you to be whatever God has called you to be. Just don't volunteer me. And I said, and by the way, <laughs> do you want to know where our, our paperwork is and our legal documents? He said, no, because I know God will not take you first and leave me here to take care of everything. That's not the deal I have with God. But I did say to him something he did not know. And I said to him, we have burial plots that I'm going to sell and give to the church, the money to the church. He said, well, what are you thinking? I said, I've decided that I don't want a funeral. Kelly, I don't want a funeral. I want a memorial service. I want a celebration. I want to be decked out in the name of Jesus. And I want people to talk about my life, what I did and what I didn't do. And I want a real celebration. I want a jazz band. I want the people to be singing and dancing. And I want everybody to have a good time. And he said, are you feeling all right? I said, I feel wonderful. And I said, after my celebration, my memorial, I want my ashes sprinkled on the grounds of the church. And he said, I can't believe you came up with this. And then I called the chair of the church council. And I said, the protocol in our church is that the council has to approve policy of the church. So I will be forwarding a letter to you to let you know that when I leave this space, here is what I want you to do for me. Because of all of my 69 years, this has been the best season of my life. Of all of my living and of all of the places I have seen, there is no place like this ground. And I said that I want to love the Lord and serve him while I can. And I want to be everything that I can be in the name of Jesus. I pray that you're having the same conversations. 
I pray that your paperwork's in order. I pray that broken relationships are mended. I pray that you can forgive in the name of Jesus. I pray that the rubble will be removed so that you will be empowered by the Spirit of God and you will be able to walk boldly into the presence of the Lord saying, I'm free at last. <laughs> Thank God Almighty, I made it at last. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Hmm. <laughs> God, you're so good. You've been better to us than we've been to ourselves. Thank you for this season of reflection. Thank you for showing us the rubble in our lives so that we can move it in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, God, for our Savior. I pray right now, dear God, that everyone under the sound of my voice in the sanctuary streaming live, I pray that everyone gets to know you. And right now, dear God, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to do heart surgery on every heart, oh God. And I pray, dear God, that you will let your people know that you are still in the healing business. You are still in the forgiving business. And Lord, I pray that those who have not accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior would do it today. Leave the rubble of the past and stand before you with a clean heart asking to be saved. It is in the mighty and precious name of Jesus I pray. Amen.